So tonight I'm going to talk about control, the unhealthy forms of control. About a month ago I talked about discipline, which was the more healthy forms of self-control. Um, and the first thing I'll say is it's, it's kind of one of the fundamental tragedies of the human race, I think, that we all spend so much, so much time, so much emotional energy, so much attention trying to control things that we have no business controlling or that we just have no control over at all. And then we're woefully neglectful over the things that we actually do have control over, you know. And, um, you know, perhaps there are some people that are worse at this than others, but, um, you know, I think it's something that we all do to some extent. Um, So, control, in order to talk about control, I'm going to talk about the second chakra. The second chakra is slightly below the belly button, um, sometimes called the sacral center. In, uh, in Chinese medicine, this is the Dantian point of the body, the center of qi. And I'll say that, um, you know, if we start from the heart, which is in some ways the center of our being, um, as you move up, you, there are chakras that are um, successively more airy, more expansive, you know, qualities that we often associate with spiritual. Um, as you move down from the heart, you get chakras that are more um, earthy, passionate, um, charged with vital energy, uh, tremendous amount of, uh, of, of deep energy. Um, I think it's a paradox that we often, often the picture we have of what spiritual is, is about the, the airy, expansive, flighty stuff. And I actually think spirit, truly being spiritual is something more about wholeness, about integrating that, that more expansive vision with the raw power of the depths. So one way to talk about the second chakra is second chakra governs uh, our relation to, to the watery aspect of life, the watery element. So all things that are in flow, all things, all kinds of things that are in some kind of uncontrollable flow uh, that, that we can't, uh, that, you know, we, we can't master in that way. Um, second chakra is about, um, among other things, being in the flow of our own animal energy. Uh, so often it's associated with sexuality, dance, exercise, all the things where we're really kind of in the flow of being an animal, uh, sensuality of all kinds. And really, you know, ultimately we can bring sensuality to any experience, you know, reading a poem, watching a sunset, even breathing can be a sensual experience if we bring that attention to it. Um, insofar as the second chakra is about how we mediate the element of, of water, you know, metaphorically the element of water, it's closely connected in Chinese medicine to the bladder kidney system. The bladder kidney system in Chinese medicine, when 
when she is healthy in the bladder kidney system, we experience adaptability. We experience the ability to, as it were, go with the flow. Um, and when she is blocked or is not healthy in the bladder kidney system, we experience fear. You know, sometimes a literal pee in your pants kind of fear. Um, and I find it very, um, I find it uh, very creative and and provides a very interesting perspective on fear. You know, in the West, we think, the op- what's the opposite of fear? We think courage, you know. But in this system, what's the opposite of fear? Ability to go with the flow. And I think there's something deep there. Uh, it's an interesting way to think about fear. Another way to think about the, the second chakra is um, when it is formed, when it, when it is... Uh, when it kind of takes its initial shape in our in our life, and this corresponds to uh, what Freud called the anal stage in his his uh, system of psychosexual development. So this is this is you know not not early infancy, but you know later infancy when around the time that the toddler's learning to walk and this sort of thing. Um, And so, first of all, uh, the second chakra is associated with all kinds of what I would call um, retention-release dynamics. Um, the person who spends money like crazy, the person who never spends a dime, the person who emotes all over the place, the person who has like one emotion a year, you know, the person who, you know, is you know, talks nonstop, the person who never utters a word, you know, all these ways that you might say that the the spigot of life is stuck on or stuck off. Um, and again, not adaptable, but, but stuck in one way or the other. Um, Also, I would say associated with that, you know, a lot of times what's going on in, in what Freud called the anal stage, that's, that's the potty training time, you know. And so um, all kinds of, um, how can I say, all kinds of permissions, often unconscious permissions, um, get wrapped up in second chakra issues. Do I have permission to be fully alive? Do I have permission to have my passions? Do I have permission to be excited or to be angry or to be sad or, you know, these sorts of things? Um, Many times we're not even aware of the permissions that we're carrying in our body and not even aware of the dynamics that maybe I need external circumstances to be a certain way or I need another person to treat me in a certain way in order for me to feel like I have permission, you know, all these sorts of things. So, all of this plays out in, in second chakra dynamics. So everything I've said about the second chakra right away probably gives you some sense of why control issues are so rooted in the second chakra. Um, control often is about, you know, in one way or another, encountering the uncontrollable flow of life, whether it's in others, in ourselves, you know, in the world at large, and not being comfortable with the fact, fearing the fact that we can't control it. Um, I mean, certainly one thing that is 
that is beyond our control is the future. You know, and, you know, it's not that planning is futile. We can do some planning and, you know, certainly in the short term, if I buy groceries and most likely I'll have food for the next few days, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, but even then, sometimes we think we've made some good plans and then something go, goes kerflui, you know, the electricity goes out or whatever. And, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men go off to stray. Um, and, of course, the further out we're planning beyond, you know, beyond just my own little, you know, world, um, it gets much more difficult, much more unpredictable. You know, there's that old... Uh, that old saying, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, one way that people try to control the future is by worrying. Worrying is, is a, a very common um, control, you know, attempt to control the future. Maybe if I think about it, maybe if I plan for every possible thing that can happen, I can control what's going to happen. Um, the truth is worry really does nothing, you know, and worry, you know, often if we worry, we find out that, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, it was all for naught or, or even if it's not good, it's not good in a way that we weren't expecting, you know, this sort of thing. Um, and we're much more powerful. We're much more ready to meet whatever it is we're going to meet if we keep all our emotional energies in the present moment, you know, so worrying in addition to being a control issue really sends a vast amount of emotional energy away from ourselves into the future, away from the body. It might be worthwhile saying also that uh, one of the biggest and most common forms of control um, throughout our culture is people living in their heads. People living in their heads, not, you know, only partially feeling or not at all feeling their vulnerability, not feeling their emotions. You know, you can be very controlled when you're in your head and it's very predictable and very logical. Um, it's also very sterile. And, and the paradox is that the strategic mind really likes to think that it's independent. It really likes to think that it's free. And the strategic mind is totally the pawn of lower chakra energies. When, for example, when second chakra fear is coming up, the, the mind is completely driven by it. It will feel, feel the fear and then it will logically, you know, plan all kinds of things or create all kinds of things because of that fear. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have the power to turn around and say, wait a second, I'm not going to believe that, you know. Or, you know, or it takes a tremendous amount of training to get to the point where one can do that. Now, even in the present moment, there's a whole lot we don't control. Certainly all kinds of larger social movements, political events, um, other people. And it's, it's very funny with other people, um, you know, sometimes control issues with other people play out with this very, um, very explicit, you know, you can't do that. You know, you can't think that way. You can't feel that way. You know, this very like verbal disciplining. Um, 
But I think it's fascinating, especially in friendships and close relationships, how much we're trying to exert control, and we might not even be aware of it, by body posture, by, you know, a slight, you know, turn of the corner of my mouth or raise of my eyebrow or something that I might not be aware of, but I'm communicating in an unconscious way to, to my friend or my partner, you know, I don't feel good about where this is going, you know, all these subtle cueings that we do to each other. Um, Now, of course, we don't control each other. I have no control over another human being. Um, We do influence one another. And that's that's very subtle because unlike control, which is very... um, can be very uh, goal-oriented. You know, I want to have this thing happen. Uh, Influence is, almost by its very nature, much more unattached to outcome. Um, And also, kind of the the frustrating thing in some ways, um, we don't have a whole lot of influence over the jabber-jabber that comes out of our mouth. We have a lot less influence than we'd like to think. Um, we have a lot of influence in the way that we live, in the way that we move through the world, you know, and that, uh, that Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, don't talk about the change you want to see in the world, but be the change you want to see in the world, um, which is hard to do. But the, the truth is that all of us, whether we're intending to or not, are influencing each other all the time. You know, we're such a a monkey see, monkey do kind of species. And, you know, even just the energy that I walk into the grocery store with, you know, I'm I'm influencing strangers around me. And so it's it's always a good question, you know, just what, what vibes am I sending out as I move through the world? Another aspect of of control, I would say, you know, it's absolutely undeniable that I have no control over political events. I have no control over big social movements. I really have no control over what any other human being is going to say or do or choose. Um, I have no control over that, but I potentially have a tremendous amount of control over how I interpret it over my emotional response to it, you know. Now, I may not have instant control in the moment. You know, some, sometimes there is a case where just shifting my perspective gives me a whole new way of looking at something. Um, you know, say somebody does something that triggers me. Well, in, in the moment, maybe I can't, you know, turn off that triggering, but at least it's an invitation then to do some work. In other words, I can't change that other person but I can change whether I'm working on that part of myself that was triggered and, and bringing healing and, and disattachment to that place. Um, and so there's so many ways that we always are at choice, but it's not necessarily the ways that we want to be at choice. You know, ego wants to say, you know, I want things out there to be this way, you know, and we don't necessarily have that choice. But we do have the choice to um, to renegotiate how we emotionally relate to the thing that's going on out there.
one of the trickiest parts of control. There's otherness out in the world, and there's otherness within. You know, most of the psyche is not under ego's control. You know, where dreams come from is not under our control, you know. A lot of our intense emotions rise up without ego choosing it, you know. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a very profound kind of letting go to allow, not only to, you know, the kind of allowing that we would extend to a good friend, allowing them just to be who they are, to be able to extend that allowing toward our own selves. Um, takes a tremendous amount of humility and disattachment. You know, that uh, that fundamental humility of, of realizing, you know, my ego is not master in its own house, that sort of thing. One of the hardest things, of course, is discerning where does my control end? What are the concrete things that I can do in life? Things where it's actually my responsibility to be working as hard as I can. And then where are the things where it's just, it's absolutely beyond my control and it's just wasted effort even to try. So I've often thought about the serenity prayer and I don't know why I'm getting, sorry, my computer sending me notifications that I don't want. All right. I've often thought about the serenity prayer and for years I reflected on it and I, I've actually cr- over time created my own version of the serenity prayer. Um, I, I really thought the word responsibility should somehow be included in it. Um, so I'll tell you the version of the serenity prayer that I say every day. May I take deep responsibility for all the consequences of my actions, both intentional and unintentional. Whoa, what happened? (laughs) 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 Well, talk about control. Oh, here we go. All right. Back. <laughs> Little, uh, apparently we're getting a lab exercise on control here. So, um, I'll start again. May I take deep responsibility for all the consequences of my actions, both intentional and unintentional. May I take deep responsibility for my emotional states. May I take deep responsibility for everything I control and everything over which I have some kind of influence. Is my imagination or is everyone frozen on that screen? Yes. 
<laughs> May I accept complete surrender toward all those aspects of life over which I have absolutely no control and no influence. May I cultivate tremendous trust and acceptance wherever my control and influence ends. The mic's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> you planned this, Mike. Hold hold on. Let me let me finish. Um May I relax into the deep vulnerability of human life. And between what I control and what I do not, what I influence and what I do not, may I have the wisdom, the courage, and the insight to know the difference. So I will put that in the chat. I'm not sure that they'll even, that's the quote sheet. So I have my version of the serenity prayer at the top from Lao Tzu. The world is a sacred vessel which cannot be tampered with or grasped after. To tamper with it is to spoil it and to grasp it is to lose it. From Rumi, why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? Move outside the tangle of fear thinking, the entrance The entrance door to the sanctuary is inside of you. And it's fascinating. It's always a fascinating question. You know, what parts of me are imprisoned? Phyllis Brooks, the great preacher, said, Do not pray for easier lies, but pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power, but pray for power equal to your tasks. Then the accomplishing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself in the richness of life, which has come to you by the grace of God. And so this whole thing, you know, ego, you know, loves to have the easy way out. But, you know, sometimes that's not the choice it has. Eric Erickson said, It is only in our lifetime that faith and change has gradually given way to a widespread fear of and superficial adjustment to change itself and a suspiciousness concerning faith itself. That one is very deep. Mary Oliver, oh, sorry, Ram Dass says, the most exquisite paradox, as soon as you give it all up, you can have it all. As long as you want power, you can't have it. The minute you don't want power, you'll have more than you ever dreamed possible. Mary Oliver says quite simply, when the thumb of fear lifts, we are so alive. Pema Chodron said, the Buddha taught that we're not actually in control, which is a pretty scary idea. But when you let things be as they are, you will be a much happier, more balanced, compassionate person. The Zen teacher Bernie Glassman says, Our tendency in life is to avoid things that frighten us. 
But in order to become whole, we need to go deeper and deeper into ourselves and reaching further and further into the things we fear. You know, making friends with our fear, as it were. David Rico said, Humility means accepting reality with no attempt to outsmart it. <laughs> it's a wonderful question. You know, what are the ways that you're trying to outsmart reality? Jack Canfield said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Jack Cornfield said, we're part of a vast plan of life unfolding. When individual life loss strikes or there is a communal trauma, it is not a mistake. We have what it takes to endure it with courage. We can survive and grow strong like the wild trees on the mountain ridge that have weathered storms and become beautiful. With trust, we, we plant our seeds, tend them, and discover that although it isn't possible to control the world, we can always give care for the garden of our life. Just a wonderful, gentle quote of heart wisdom. Bell Hooks, that amazing soul that we lost last year, wrote, The practice of love offers no place of safety. We risk loss, hurt, pain. We risk being acted upon by forces outside our control. Sharon Salzberg says quite simply, no matter how much we want it to be otherwise, the truth is that we're not in control of the unfolding of our experiences. Carolyn Mace says, fate is how your life unfolds when you let fear determine your choices. A path of destiny reveals itself to you, however, when you confront your fear and make conscious choices. Muji says quite simply, your urge to control life controls you. Elaine de Botton says, don't despair. Despair suggests you are in control, total control and know what is coming. You don't. Surrender to events with hope. And I love that idea that, that despair and even depression have in them a kind of certainty, like, I know what it's all about, you know. Steve Maraboli says, you must learn to let go, release the stress. You never were in control anyway. Brenna Yuvanoff says, all great acts are ruled by intention. What you mean is what you get. Kelly Martin said, are you able to open to the possibility that what you want is not what you need right now? If it was what you needed, it would be in your life right now and it would come effortlessly. Michael Culey said, when fear is finished, there are no more problems to be resolved, only life to be lived. Mark and Angel Chernoff said, when you stop worrying about what you cannot control, you have time to change the things you can control, and that changes everything. And Francis Harold Cook said, The object of Zen is not to kill all feelings and become anesthetized to pain and fear. The object of Zen is to free us to scream loudly and fully when it is time to scream. <laughs> 